You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Recorded in Chicago, Illinois, with your hosts, Ken, Matt, Neil, and Jeff, this is Triviality. Hello and welcome to Triviality, the game where lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. My name is Neil. It is a uh, dark night, uh, not the Batman version, but just a night that is dark because it's nighttime and I'm here with Jeff. How are you, Jeff? No, the consummate joker over here, Neil. I'm doing great. How are you? Uh, I'm doing pretty well, uh, hanging in there. Matt, uh, I know you're coming to us uh, with a pretty sweet Kraken hat. How are you doing? <laughs> this hat is what's cracking. Uh, Jeff, was that a purposeful Joker pun? <laughs> yes. I know. Okay, good. I heard it too. I just decided not to respond. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's funny. Uh, I think I'm, it's uh, funnier than it is. <laughs> okay. Yeah, whatever I guess is dying. We'll get to that. I was having a bit of a snooze over here because Jeff was regaling us with tales of the F1 in Monaco. And I said, no, thanks. I, I believe what I said was, hey, Matt, Monica was interesting for once this year. And Matt went, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> and he wasn't even he wasn't it. even talking about the uh, the it, racing sport. He was, he was trying to sell Matt on his new travel insurance company. Just like, hey, you want to go to Monaco? It's pretty cool. No, I just wanted to mm-hmm. talk about how um, everyone's favorite Spider-Man, Tom Holland, sabotaged one of the racers. Oh, no. That that's sort of like a meme going around right now. Is it? Oh, you yeah. can't you can't drive with webbed hands. That's for no. Sure. He uh, he actually dropped a tire in the Mercedes garage, and then Mercedes had a tire issue yesterday. Oh so no! I think Spider Man sabotaged Team Mercedes. I'm just saying. So we all love Spider Man. I'm sure he'll he'll be all right. But uh, one voice you don't hear is Ken. Ken isn't here. Uh, but good news, he was actually cast in Lars von Trier's newest movie, which will be uh, both. Uh, disturbing and also prophetic. So good luck to Ken, and uh, hopefully he can handle that nude scene that's required of him. Oof. Well, it's actually going to be Charlotte Gainsborough and all Muppets. So we'll see how that ah. movie goes. And Ken, uh, but he uh, loves Muppets. That's true. He does love Muppets. Uh, let's introduce our our first guest. Uh, she will be playing with Matt. Uh, she is a rules guy impersonator on Patreon, which we very much appreciate. And uh, she's gloating a little bit about uh, her footy team doing so well. And that is Jane Carmichael. How We're are you, Jane? not bringing up footy anymore. <laughs> Why is this happening? And Jane uh, is trying Jane? to talk right now, but she has a, a ceiling that is leaking into a bucket next to her. But I think you're okay to record, right, Jane? Yeah. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Hi, everyone. Um, What's new in your world? Nothing, really. Well, well, you told us that your your roof is leaking now. Are you going to be able to take care of it or you'd have to sleep like under the drips of or the drops of water, I suppose? Um, Well, it's not happening in my room, so I'm pretty happy about that. All right. Well, that's all we can ask for. The bucket's catching it. It'll be taken care of in the morning. All is good. Yeah, I'm going to try to find a way to like destroy the roof even further so the insurance covers it but i have to make it look like it wasn't me who did it so when when matt and i used to live together we we uh decided that the only way to get the rent money back was for matt to put on hulk hands and punch the wall (laughs) for insurance so it works so get some hulk hands and everything will be okay i think i have what thor's hammer laying around here somewhere oh there you go yeah just a a nice mjolnirring uh to the wall (laughs) Uh, we have a very special uh, guest host who's going to be uh, running a game for us today. And uh, we talked to her right before the recording, and we found out that uh, she lives in Canada, but she also is of Dutch ancestry. I can't say the word ancestry. And uh, we decided that uh, I guess she's kind of Canada-Dutch, or at least I'm going to attribute that to Matt. It was a great uh, poll there. Uh, she is an Oakland Five supporter on Patreon, and we are very happy to have her here. She's from uh, Red Deer, Alberta, Canada, and that is 
uh, Melina Heidema. How are you, Melina? I'm doing great today. I was going to say, um, technically, I'm an Oakland 7 contributor because I pay in uh, Canadian dollars. Mm. Oh. I don't know if that makes me... No, you, yeah, you, you are officially in Oakland 7. I think that's right. Yeah, that, okay, needs, that needs to be a new tier because we have some Aussie fans who are also in the Aussie 7 or whatever I that think, is. Uh, yeah, yeah, the... the uh, um... The Perth 7.5s or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You figure something out there. I, I don't know if that makes me $2 better than all the other Oakland 5 contributors. Well, or, uh... no. You can definitely say that. That's for sure. <laughs> uh, well, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and maybe how you got into trivia? Sure. Um, well, trivia, um, I've just kind of loved it all my life. I always watched Jeopardy and all that stuff. Um, for pub trivia specifically, it's a little bit of a sad story, actually. I. I had somehow never in my life like played trivia at a pub until like right before the pandemic. And then that kind of all got shut down. Um, so I think we went four times like right before kind of everything got shut down and we actually won three out of four times, uh, my team and I. So um, really excited for things to start opening up and getting back to that because uh, it's a lot of fun. Well, you have a very okay. cool mug that with full of tea right now with the Ninja Turtles. on. I it. do. I do have a Ninja Turtle mug. That is full of Earl Grey tea right now. Awesome. Well, that's that's the tea they would want you to drink. At least Leonardo, I, I feel so. like, would be an Earl Grey drinker. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, thank you very much for being here and for writing a game. We're excited. It's going to be Matt and Jane versus me and Jeff. But in order to do that, we have to hear the rules. And since we have our first Canada Dutch host, we're going to go to Willem van Vendeloo for the Dutch reading of the rules. De regels van het spel zijn simpel. 20 vragen verdeeld over twee rondes, waarbij elke vraag 10 punten waard is. Halverwege is er een speciale swingronde, ontworpen door de host van deze week. Na deze rondes beginnen de spelers aan de finale, met de punten die ze hebben verdiend. En hebben ze de mogelijkheid om 0 tot 30 punten in te zetten op 5 gecategoriseerde vragen. Aan het eind van het spel wordt iemand benoemd tot The Cream of the Crop. The Cream of the Crop! Nobody does it better. I don't know why he did it in English that time. It was supposed to be Dutch. <laughs> he yeah. keeps touting this Dutch reading and we never get it. Uh, well, uh, Melina, feel free to take it away. Um, but I guess we have to figure out team names. I don't know, Jeff. What do you, you, you talked about F1. Um, uh, F1, I, I don't know. Anything about racing. So tires, Spider-Man's tires. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fine with Spider-Man's tires. You know who likes Spider-Man's tires? MJ. I don't, that, I don't know what that's supposed to mean. I, it kind of means but, I guess. I don't know. I don't know what it means. No, it doesn't. I'm I'm in a I'm in a mode right now where I'm I'm kind of blacking out. Are so you, I really are don't you know saying, what I'm saying that um, Spider Man burns rubber with Mary Jane? No, no one can say that. No one can say that, Jeff. It's a family pod. You leave rubbers and Spider Man out of this. Yeah, leave Spider Man in his homecoming alone. Okay. Um, okay. So let's. Uh, Matt, uh, Jane, what do you guys think you want to be as far as a team? Uh, so we've been we've been playing some some trivia online uh, together recently, and we usually use the team name uh, the Mighty Mighty Ketones because we were trying out the keto diet, but realized not for us. Uh, so we're gonna be the artist formerly known as the Mighty Mighty Ketones, or we could be the Mighty Flighty Ketones. Ooh, Ooh that's good. <laughs> uh, okay, <laughs> outclassed you. That's fine. All right, looks like we have our team names. It is the Mighty Flighty Ketones versus Spider-Man's Tires. So feel free to take it away, Melina. Uh, so round one, question one then. In the category of television, in SpongeBob SquarePants, SpongeBob's friends include a starfish named Patrick and a squirrel named Sandy. What U.S. state is Sandy from? If it helps you, she's bigger than SpongeBob. Yep, mm. we can lock in. Oh, wow, I, I had no idea on this one. Okay. How do you feel about this one? Deep in the heart of Texas. Yeah. Do, do, you do, have do, to do, say do. it when you clap. It's I cool. understand that now. <laughs> I, was, I was there. I, they did it all the time. It was wild. Uh, yeah, we're going Texas. Um, yeah, I guess if you're saying that people from Texas are dumb, um, she's from Texas. <laughs> uh, to be clear, you're accusing Matt of saying that, not me, right? Because I'm definitely not saying that. <laughs> no, I'm referencing um, the show there. <laughs> um. Okay, so yes, the answer is Texas. Um, so I had to fact check the uh, the her being bigger than SpongeBob thing. So it turns out if you Google image search SpongeBob and Sandy, there's like a whole pictures of them together. It's yeah, oh, I would not. Do that. That's a uh, 
that's a rule 34. Uh, <laughs> you don't, you well, don't want to do that. I guess Sandy was sponge worthy then, right? Oh my God, Neil. Oh <laughs> just so you know, I'm on, I'm on hinge today. I had a long day, so it just, it's just going to be free flying. Ken's going to have to cut it. We're on That's question fine. two. All right. We're, question we have three two. minutes of usable audio. <laughs> question two. Um, all right. So in American history, the term Six Flags over Texas refers to the six nations that at some point in history have had control over some or all of the current territory of Texas. Name four of the nations referred to in the term Six Flags over Texas. We are locked in. All right. As the resident Texas expert, the Texpert, uh, Jane, do you have do you have any idea here? Yeah, I have one, some ideas. One of them is probably I, America. I know that Spain is one of them because, you know, for obvious reasons, mm-hmm. Mexico. Um, so Spain, for sure. Mexico. Mexico. United States. U.S. We got the Confederate flag. Those are four. Yeah. We're locked in. Yeah, um, we we officially locked in with uh, the Spanish flag, Mexican flag, U.S. flag, and flag of Texas. But I believe the other one is the French flag. Okay, so um, both of you are correct. It is uh, the list I have is Spain, France, Mexico, Republic of Texas, USA, and Confederate States of America. Uh, where on the Texas flag is the old guy in the tuxedo dancing? The... You know what I'm talking about? Or is that oh, just absolutely. Illinois? Oh. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that was, that big, was nationwide. The Binga Boys? That yeah, yeah was? and it was, a, it was a young guy in old man makeup. It was so creepy. And he's just going to theme parks and dancing in front of people. Like, what? No one thought anything was wrong with that? Are you, are you all ready for question three? Yeah. Yes. Okay. All right. Question number three in science slash food and drink. The Maillard reaction, first described by and thus named for the French physician and chemist Louis-Camille Maillard, is a chemical reaction that occurs between amino acids and reducing sugars. Any good recipe for most types of bread, as well as for steak, should allow for this reaction to occur. What is the common name for the Maillard reaction? Jeff and I had a discussion. We're not really sure on the answer, but we're going to go with it. So we're locked in. So the only thing that I can, like the similarity that I can find is in, in the changing of the color when it cooks. And so that's where I would go with it, but only from the cooking angle and not from anything science related. Oh yeah. Well, we don't, we're a, we're a science free zone over here on this side. Not doing that. Uh, I think we're going to lock in with Browning. We had a discussion. We really couldn't land on anything. We both watch a lot of Great British Baking Show, and it didn't really help us at this point. But we just thought, you know, sometimes when you reduce sugar, it turns into caramel. And sometimes on food, you want a nice caramelization. So we locked in with caramelization. Okay. Um, well, the answer is browning. Um, <laughs> caramelization is a distinct process from the Maillard reaction. Uh, the Maillard reaction just simply describes what ter- what turns your food brown when you cook it or what gives it that mm-hmm. nice, like delicious golden crust. Mm. Um, so browning was the answer. Question four in the category of art history, Egyptian brown, a pigment used in painting and usually known by another name is known best as a favorite color of the pre-Raphaelite group of artists in late 19th century Britain. What material was this pigment historically made from? It declined in popularity when its composition became more widely known, and Edward Byrne Jones is said to have buried his tube of it. Assuming there is a clue in there, I don't... I, I, I kind of like the first one. Okay, we'll lock in with our first guess. Interesting. <laughs> this is it's going to sound dumb if it's wrong, but you said buried and composition and Egyptian... And I'm thinking that I want to go with my mummy here. And we're going to say mummies. We had a very similar discussion. Uh, the first thing. Did you? I'm sorry. We did. Yeah. We, the first thing Neil we wrote... and I, we can go on for hours ad nauseum on a good sarcophagus. So that is true. Uh, the first thing we actually wrote down was uh, feces or more specifically bat guano. But I don't think, I don't know why bat guano came to me. It could have been Ace Ventura when nature calls, but. We mm-hmm. we were going to answer that, but then we said we heard the the clue of uh, they were buried, and we thought 
maybe it's ashes or if you need to be i guess more specific you know bone or burn bones or remains remains yeah well the answer is egyptian mummies um they dug up <laughs> egyptian mummies from the ground by the i don't know hundreds thousands and uh, ground them up and turn them into paint. Um, so I think I'll accept uh, both of your answers for points. All right. Thank you. Human remains is the idea. So great job, both of you. I think that, I think Mummy Brown was much better than people remember. Like CBS did not do a great job carrying that show. <laughs> is there a show called Mummy Brown? No, that was a good joke. He's talking about Murphy, Murphy Brown. Brown. Candace Murphy Bergen. Brown. Oh, dear. Oh, sorry. Yeah, so it was, oh, it was a mummy who was put into a sarcophagus <laughs> and then had to run a newspaper at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> Related to Encyclopedia Mummy Brown, I believe. Well, I thought Candace Bergen looked great in that show, but you say what you want, I guess. Shows oh, I, 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 I have nothing say. against Candace Bergen. I thought CBS could have done a better job for the show. So You'd think uh, Netflix would, would have been so shameful like copying off of CBS with their Stranger Things reboot with Millie, Millie Mummy Brown. But uh, <laughs> Are we done? We're done. We're done. And we're done. <laughs> All right. Um, question number five is a listener-submitted question. Um, and so it's submitted by Bettina Maschale. Hope I did not butcher her name. Um, what newspaper staple debuted in the New York world in 1913, but didn't appear in the New York Times for the first time until February 1942? We are going to lock in over here. Nine letters. Starts with a C. I think, is that right? Is crossword nine letters? You're not a math person. Yeah, whatever. So I think it's crossword puzzles. Does that, does that sound right? I'm fine with crossword. Okay. And uh, yeah, we too went crossword. All right. Yeah. The New York Times crossword is exactly the answer. Is Will Shorts the guy who created crossword? Or he's the big he's, writer? He's the famous one. Yeah. And I know this sounds really dumb, but I know he's been on TV shows and whatnot. But every time I see his name in print, all I can hear is that really dumb theme song, She Wears Short Shorts. But I, I think of She Writes Will Shorts or She Likes Will Shorts. <laughs> and that I don't know why, but it ruins my day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <sighs> But what's not ruining my day is the perfect score that Jane and Matt are are pulling right now after five questions. So they have not missed one, Jeff, and we're, we're slacking here because we only have 40 points. All right. Question number six in geography. France, California, and Palestine are all islands off the coast of what country? Please give me the name of the country and not the name of the more well-known constituent part of it. Um, where we're kicking around some some countries uh and then we got we got took a biking ship up north and ended up somewhere around greenland we know that's not a country right it is not yeah so we're thinking of it's possibly because it's a part of denmark the country would be then denmark so are you good with locking in denmark yeah i'm fine with that we are locked in all right and uh for us i took this on a really weird angle i hope it's right but I kind of remember them building a recreation of the world off the coast of Dubai. Um, and you could kind of like, they were selling like individual countries or states or stuff like that to private individuals for residences. And the fact that she said Palestine was interesting to me because they, um, being, being Muslim, they would have some kind of probably at least some similar cultural affiliation with um, the UAE. So we're just going to guess it's the United Arab Emirates. All right. Um, yeah, uh, Jeff nailed it exactly. It's the UAE. Um, if you search on Google Maps uh, off the coast of Dubai, you see like a little mini map of the world. Um, and they are all man-made islands. And uh, it, it, that's exactly right. They're kind of like luxury islands that they were selling off. Fun fact, I've actually been there, but I was more concerned with getting drunk and going to the water park at the time. <laughs> <laughs> So number seven, we've got our first sports question. In February 2021, Edmonton Oilers center Connor McDavid earned the 500th point of his NHL career in his 369th game. He is the eighth fastest player of all time to reach 500 points in terms of number of games played. He is actually tied for eighth, though. What other Canadian phenom took exactly 369 games to reach 500 points? this time in the 2009 to 2010 season. No relation to a certain crooner, as far as I know. 
For five bonus points, name any one of the seven players not named Gretzky or Lemieux who are higher than David on this McDavid on this list. Take it away, Matt. Oh, we're locked in. Are you? <laughs> it's hockey. Yeah. I don't know what that is. All right. <laughs> hockey. I don't know much about hockey. Yeah, but you do know stuff about crooners, which crooners, might get us the right way. Crooners are my favorite. So I'm just going to give you some crooners. All right. So uh, we got Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin, Joey Bishop, Sammy Davis Jr., uh, Peter Lawford, uh, Michael Bublé, uh, Harry Connick Jr., Matt King Cole, Takashi 69, <laughs> Ed Sheeran, uh, uh, Ludacris, <laughs> Mystical, <laughs> maybe Marty Brodeur, but that's his first name, obviously. Oh well, could it be a Martin? You just want to go Martin for Dean Martin? Yeah, maybe. Okay. As far as the points, um, she said not named. Not named uh, Gretzky or Lemieux, so it's maybe got... like a like Yaromir Yager. I or... like a Yager. I'll, I'll take a Yager. Okay. Yeah. All right. So we're gonna go Yager and Martin, the new comedy duo. Uh, you guys named every crooner, but if you if you looked up uh, crooners on Bing, oh, uh, you might you might find Bing Crosby there, and oh, that's the Sydney crooner. Crosby. Sydney Crosby. Uh, and then for the bonus, we're going with. Uh, Eric Lindros, I think he did too. So okay, um, yeah. Unfortunately, no points for Spider Man's tires. Um, yeah, my first my first draft of this question said, "Don't cheat by searching this on Bing or something like that." And then I, I didn't like that, so I changed it. Um, <laughs> I cannot believe you didn't say Bing. Bing I know. I, I'm like, really upset with myself. I should have. I, I, <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Because yeah. if you said that, Jeff would have immediately been, oh, like been Sydney Crosby. Crosby. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah, and uh, and uh, Matt also nailed the bonus. So the uh, other players that I was looking for were Peter Stastny, Mike Bossy, uh, Eric Lindros, Yari Curry, Brian Trottier. All right, um, question number eight. Um, your category is literature. In the 1966 novel Wide Sargasso Sea by Jean Rhys, the protagonist, Antoinette Causeway, experiences a troubled childhood in Jamaica. She later becomes known as Bertha after moving to England, where her husband confines her to the attic of his large mansion. In what 1847 novel does this character also appear, though definitely not as the protagonist? Jeff and I were discussing a bunch of different books, some that seemed to make sense, some that didn't, but he came up with one that I think actually is a very good guess, and we are going to lock in. Okay, so you're thinking it's a Bronte novel, but you're not sure... Um, and my problem is I'm not a big Bronte fan. You're not a Bronte head? It's a Bronte sore spot for me. I don't know. That doesn't work. I've invited I you to the fan club several times. You just have not accepted. <laughs> yeah. The Bronte boys. The Bronte boys. We, we got our own symbol, too. Yeah. <laughs> you better watch out. It's the Bronte boys. <laughs> We're going to regale you with some beautiful prose. <laughs> I don't. I don't know where I'm going with this. Uh, we're gonna say Pride and Prejudice. I don't know. I got nothing. Jane Austen classic, Pride and Prejudice. Um, but I do think this is a Bronte novel. Um, I'm pretty certain this is Jane Eyre. Oh. <laughs> um. Yeah. Jeff nailed it. It is Jane Eyre. Um. Yeah. So White Sargasso Sea is uh, written from the viewpoint of the mad woman in the attic that Mr. Rochester is um, keeping confined. Okay, number nine is a video games question. Um, two of the following are actual Generation 2 Pokemon. One is a Generation 6 Pokemon, and one is a random word I've made up. Tell me which are the two Generation 2 Pokemon, and then for five bonus points, correctly identify the Generation 6 Pokemon. So your list is Shuckle, Furbly, Ho-Oh, and Slurpuff. Um, I, I know these. Are you okay if we lock in, Jane? Yeah, obviously. I mean, I don't know if you guys, I don't know if Matt ever told you this, but like the first time he hit on me, he told me he was a Pokemon master. Uh, and that's really what that's really that, did it for me. It. Yeah, that did it. That was like, well. And you were like, this is the one. <laughs> it turned, yeah. turned my head around. <laughs> this is the one. I got to catch him. I have no idea, so we can do this two ways. Either you guess, or you just give me the names and off my gut uh, feeling about these names, which I don't know anything about. I just make a guess. That's more fun. Uh, so, Shuckle. Shuckle. I think Shuckle is fake. Okay. 
Uh, Furbly. Furbly is sixth generation. Okay, so you think Ho-Oh and Slurpuff are our two second generation Pokemon. That's what my gut's telling me. That's what we'll go with. Uh, so you guys are locked in. Um, so, Jane, you were also pretty sure we were thinking that Ho-Oh and Shuckle are the Gen 2 uh, Ho-Ho being Ho-Ho. Ho-Oh being a giant red firebird and Shuckle being a tiny cute little turtle. Can't do much of anything. Um, and then for the sixth generation, it actually just came out in Pokemon Go. If you've been playing as much as I have, I have a very sad life. Uh, and I'm pretty sure that Slurpuff is one of them. So that's our answer for the bonus. Okay, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, the mighty flighty ketones. Uh, nailed it. Um, so Shuckle and Ho-Oh are your Generation 2 Pokemon. And yes, the only reason I have heard of Slurpuff is because I also play Pokemon Go and it came out a game recently. And then Herbly is the one I made up. All right. Um, so number 10 is a film question. In a sharp performance by perhaps the most famous Dutch actor of all time, a 42-word monologue in a rainy scene near the end of this film was described by critic Mark Rowlands as perhaps the most moving death soliloquy in cinematic history. Name the film and the actor. We can lock in. <laughs> That's right, Matt. A film thing that I knew. All right, Jeff. I'm, I, I'm not bragging. I'm just proud of myself. Ken made Smug me watch Jeff. this movie, so. Okay, so what anime do you think it is, Gene? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so we're not entirely sure. Um, I'm just going to say Truman Show, and I don't think it's right, but I, you know, Jim Carrey was having a rough time in the rain there. So we're going to lock in with Truman Show. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, Neil, but this is a film that should have theoretically just recently taken place, according to yeah, the timeline correct. in the original. Yeah, that is correct, um, with the sequel uh, about 20 years away. Yep. So uh, we said this is Blade Runner. And the actor? Redger Hauer. Uh, yeah, um, you nailed it. It is Blade Runner, and the actor is Rutger Hauer. Um, it is known as the Tears in Rain monologue. After the first round, it looks like the, the game is a little tighter than we had previously thought. So with 70 points, it is Spider-Man's tires, but in the lead still with 80 points, the mighty flighty ketones. So what swing round do you have in store for us today, Melina? Okay, so um, my favorite uh, trivia category is um, geography. And the only way that I could think of to make like a fun geography swing round was to connect it to movies. Or just um, ask straight geography questions. <laughs> <laughs> um, that would be fun for you and me probably, but I don't know if it'd be fun, as much fun for listeners. Um, so it is called uh, movie geography. So you guys have done a couple of rounds on the show where like, I know you did this with elements, like the, so there's a movie that has, um, the name of an element in it and um then you know there's a little clue and then you have to name the element so that's what i've done but basically with geography so um i'm gonna give you the year of a movie that has a location in the title um so it's either a country state uh region or city i think for all of them um and then a fact about that location um which may or may not include a small hint towards the movie um so just name each of the locations. I don't need the name of the movie, just the name of each of the locations for five points each. And just a quick note, um, on a couple of these, I'm going to give you two years. And it's not two different movies. It's the same movie that's been re remade. And I'm giving you the two separate years for the original and the remake. Um, so number one, uh, the uh, year of the movie is 1986. The country with the largest standing army in the world could cause sizable turmoil. Number two, the year of the movie is 2008. I'm not kidding. This country is home to an Alps mountain range, even though it is about 14,000 kilometers from Europe. Number three, 1939. This U.S. city is home to K Street, but no I or J, and presumably to many people with the most common surname in the U.S. Number four, 1974 and 2003. This U.S. state's highest point is Guadalupe Peak, and forestry is a major industry there. Number five, 2020. This U.S. city is home to a river of the same name, which had its flow permanently reversed in 1900, a project which must, which must have been very trying for the engineers who did this. Number six, 1962 and 2004. 
I'll be frank, this is an exonym for several large overlapping historical and geographic regions of Russia and China. Number seven, 2009. The only U.S. state with a Spanish motto, though it borders Canada and not Mexico. And no, it doesn't translate to party in the USA. Number eight, 2014. This Alabama city was the site of a major Civil War victory for the Union in 1865, and then another civil victory 100 years later. Number nine, 2005. This is the fourth largest island in the world, and over 90% of its wildlife is found nowhere else on Earth. Number 10, 2014. This Eastern European capital was formed when two cities combined, each forming part of the current name and is home to many lodging establishments. All right, we will take a look at these questions and be back with our answers. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey there, I'm Dylan Lewis, one of the hosts of Motley Fool Money. Each weekday on Motley Fool Money, we talk through the business news you need to know and the stories moving stocks on Wall Street. On weekends, we dive into the industries shaping tomorrow and host the experts, authors, and executives that understand them. Tune in for insights, a long-term perspective on investing, and of course, stock ideas, plenty of them. To quote a listener, it pays to listen. Check us out and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. All the answers are now locked in, so let's hear the questions one more time from Alina, and we'll give our answers. Number one, 1986. The country with the largest standing army in the world could cause sizable turmoil. We went with uh, Big Trouble in Little China, so China's our answer. Uh, We also went with Big Trouble in Little China, so China. China is correct. And yes, Big Trouble in Little China. Number two, 2008. I'm not kidding. This country is home to an Alps mountain range, even though it is about 14,000 kilometers from Europe. Okay, so we are way out of our depths here. I can't think of anything that's even close, except for the fact that I know two things. One is that Forgetting Sarah Marshall is a 2008 film, and that the Marshall Islands are a place. So we guessed Marshall for the Forgetting Sarah Marshall Islands. Um. We thought that this possibly was in Africa, and then we were just thinking, I don't know when Congo came out, but I know I saw it probably 10 times in 2008. So we said the Democratic Republic of Congo. Uh, Those are both good guesses, interesting directions, but the answer is Australia. I'm I'm not kidding because Nicole Kidman is in this movie. Mm. I said Australia about seven times, but you know. For every question, it doesn't matter. (laughs) That is true. (laughs) Okay, Uh, number three, uh, 1939. This U.S. city is home to K Street, uh, but no I or J, and presumably to many people with the most common surname in the U.S. We went with the Frank Capra classic, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, so Washington. We also went with Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. Um, Yes, you are both correct. I was going for Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. Um, Just a quick Fact-checking note, apparently they do have an I street. Just oh, they definitely here. do. Yeah, so um, that's my bad. I thought <laughs> in my Googling that I read that they had no I street, but it's just no J street. And that's because J back in the old days was too close to I, so they had to omit that and go right to K. Um, okay, number four, 1974 and 2003. This U.S. state's highest point is Guadalupe Peak, and forestry is a major industry there. Uh, we thought this would be a good place for a Texas Chainsaw Massacre, so we said Texas. We also said Texas for uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, it was Texas. I was trying to point you to chainsaws with the forestry thing there. <laughs> All right. Uh, number five, 2020. This U.S. city is home to a river of the same name, which had its flow permanently reversed in 1900, a project which must have been very trying for the engineers who did this. We uh, clued into this being the trial of the Chicago 7s. So we went Chicago. I think we would be bad Chicagoans if we didn't know about the river being reversed. So, yeah, Chicago. Yeah, it was Chicago. 
All right. So number six, 1962 and 2004. I'll be frank. This is an exonym for several large overlapping historical and geographic regions of Russia and China. These would be Manchurian candidate regions. <laughs> uh, we had no idea what any of that meant, but we put that time period together for those movies as Manchurian candidates. So we said Manchurian Yep, you were both right. That was Manchurian Candidate. Um, an exonym is a name that uh, only people outside of that place use. Um, so it's not used in uh, China or Russia, but it's used by, we use it in the West. Or mm. I don't even know if we do anymore, but we did at one time. Um, all right, number seven, um, 2009. The only U.S. state with a Spanish motto, so it borders Canada and not Mexico. And no, it doesn't translate to party in the USA. We picked up on a Miley Cyrus clue, and we said Hannah Montana, so Montana. We did not pick up on any of those clues, but since Montana is the only Spanish state name, that's what we went with, and then it hit us afterward that it was Hannah Montana. Um, yeah, I was going for Hannah Montana. It is Montana. All right, number eight, 2014. This Alabama city was the site of a major Civil War victory for the Union in 1865 and then another civil victory 100 years later. Uh, we guessed Selma. Uh, we weren't too sure, so we went with uh, Birmingham on this one. Uh, yeah, the answer was Selma. 2005. This is the fourth largest island in the world, and over 90% of its wildlife is found nowhere else on Earth. Thanks to Jeff on this one. We uh, talked about a bunch of movies and then figured out it was a kid's movie. And we said Madagascar. Oh, that makes sense. I just figured Australia. It's always Australia, right? Not <laughs> this time. It wasn't question two. Uh, so I don't think Australia is ever considered an island for these purposes. I could be wrong. Uh, but yeah, Madagascar is the fourth largest island in the world. And over 90% of its wildlife is not found anywhere else. All right, and number 10, 2014. This Eastern European capital was formed when two cities combined, each forming part of the current name, and is home to many lodging establishments. Yes, um, I, can't, I can't remember if it's the Volga River. I, I don't remember. I happen to know, though, that this is uh, Budapest. So we said Budapest. Yes, and the lodging arrangements just hit me that it's for the Grand Budapest Hotel. Uh, we said Budapest. Yeah, I was going for Grand Budapest Hotel, and that's exactly what it is, it's Budapest. After the swing round, it looks like uh, everything is tied up. Uh, the Spider-Man's Tires team, uh, which includes myself, we picked up 45 points, and the Mighty Flighty Ketones picked up 35, bringing our scores to 115. So if we're ready for round two, question one, the category is television. Name the network sitcom which stars the following actors, among others, in an ensemble cast. Lauren Ash, Colton Dunn, and Nico Santos. This show's series finale aired in 2021. Wait, we can lock in. What's that terrible show with Tim Allen? Last Man Standing. Oh, yeah. That one's over. That one ended this year. I don't think they have anyone named Santos in that show. <laughs> Just my opinion. <laughs> I could be wrong. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh... You're probably right. Uh, maybe, um, geez, I don't, I don't know any net, network sitcoms to be honest. Uh, Two broke girls, that one just then. Um, I don't know if it ended, but you want to go with it? I, I honestly don't know. Okay, so we're gonna go with the Tim Allen vehicle, Last Man Standing. Well, Matt, I, you're a huge fan of The Office. You're also a fan mm -hmm. of Parks and Rec, right? I, I dabble. Okay, well, Colton Dunn played a wonderful, um, what was his uh, job on that show, Neil? Animal control. He was an animal control specialist. Um, mm -hmm. And then he uh, later found himself as one of the best characters uh, in what's probably a spiritual successor to The Office. Uh, and we said Superstore. Uh, yes, you're right. It is Superstore. Um, I don't know if Last Man Standing has ended, but it should. Um, <laughs> um, yes. So, uh, Superstore is, is the answer. And if anyone hasn't seen it, uh, it, it's like the only show I've been binging lately, but it's very funny. Uh, usually network sitcoms really suck, but it's very good. All right. Uh, question two. Um, this is a before and after, but it's a triple before and after. Um, so this is a gender-bending Shakespearean comedy, plus a resident of the lands beyond the wall, plus 
a 2014 action spy comedy. So the first part is we think it's a 12th night. And the second part is some kind of Game of Thrones. Right, Jane? Yes, some okay. kind of throne reference. Some kind of throne game. Uh, and then the last part, we have no idea. Maybe it's the Kingsman. So we got 12th, 12th night watch Kingsmen? <laughs> question mark? I don't know. That's what we're locked in with. Those are the words. Yeah, you said all the parts together, and then you even put them together at one point, and then you, you abandoned that. But uh, Jeff and I worked together. Jeff described a movie poster to get the last part. Uh, but we went 12th Night Kingsman, The Secret Service. Uh, yeah, uh, you nailed it. Um, so um, to, to the, the resident of the lands we on the wall that I was going for is the Night King. So 12th Night, Night King, <sighs> Kingsman, The Secret Service. Um, so just for fun, uh, I, if I had said, um, instead of a 2014 action spy comedy, I had said a 1981 action adventure, um, the answer to this would be, she is the Mance Raiders of the Lost Ark. Ooh, that's really good, too. That's good. <laughs> I just wanted to say that because I was toying with both of them. Okay. Um, so, uh, number 13 uh, is a world history question. Which famous military blender involved closer to 700 men on the British side, rather than 600, as claimed in the poem of the same name by Alfred Lord Tennyson, who felt that 700 would ruin the meter of his poem? I don't know this one at all. I don't even think I can reason my I have a I have a guess. So Yeah, just go with your guess. Yeah. I thought she said blender. I was like, we were not ever given a blender. Let's be very clear. The military um, blender. I can't even imagine <laughs> how much protein would go into a military blender. <laughs> just more and more protein. Um, Sway protein and monster energy drinks. Yeah. <laughs> Battle the Bulge? No. I, That's what's I going on with my clothes after COVID. Hey. <laughs> Set you up. <laughs> I thought he was going somewhere else with that. I was like, no, why? No, that's yeah. inappropriate. Why? Jane, we're a family show. That was, that was, uh, <laughs> Look, it is really me in sixth grade right gym now. class. <laughs> <laughs> that sweatpants tent doesn't pitch itself, Matt. Hey. Gotta grab your whoopee. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's another military thing. I it's know. A I'm aware. Okay. We will say the battle of the 100 less British men than you thought. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure that this comes up a bit in trivia. Um, I think it's uh, the charge of the light brigade. Uh, yeah. Jeff got it. It is the charge of the light brigade. And it does, for whatever reason, come up in trivia a lot. I've heard of that. I just, I, I've never read it, so I didn't know the, you know, the details. But good, good call, Jeff. Number 14 is a film question. In what early 2000s film did Steven Spielberg direct Tom Cruise and Gwyneth Paltrow? Okay, we can lock in. So I think that this is a movie where they were not the main characters. <laughs> but I, I is, this is not Eyes Wide Shut, is it? No, Eyes Wide Shut was... Uh, Nicole Kidman was in that one. She think Paltrow was also there. They, she, they were wearing the, masks. Did she have a year? In the, was this, there a year in the question? Is this two thousand mid two thousand? She said early two thousand. Early two thousand. Do you think this is Vanilla Sky? Something that Cameron Diaz. I don't know. Again, uh, Last Samurai when he is was, it a Mission Impossible movie? Oh, I don't think Spielberg did a Mission Impossible. What about Minority Report? Sure, I like okay. it. Minority Report. All right. Well, uh, Steven Spielberg did direct Gwyneth Paltrow in Hook, and he did direct Tom Cruise in Minority Report in War of the Worlds, and he did cameo in Vanilla Sky as himself, handshaking uh, Tom Cruise. But I believe uh, what Melina is looking for is Steven Spielberg directed Tom Cruise and Gwyneth Paltrow in a scene within a scene of Austin Powers' Gold Member. Uh, yeah, that's correct. So tiny bit of a trick question, although I shouldn't be surprised Neil still got it right away. Um, but yeah, he didn't actually direct the movie. All three of those people played themselves in the movie in which he was the director and they were, uh, Dixie Normus and Austin Powers. So that was number 14. Okay. Number 15 is another sports question. Um, for nearly four decades, the Canadian Football League had two teams which shared the same name. 
One team still has this name, while one team used it until they ceased operations in 1996. It is believed one chose it in reference to a nickname for the Northwest Mounted Police, while the other chose it in reference to something else. What is this name? That's the only one I know. And, and just because uh, our, a former coach of ours here in Chicago has won a lot with that team, but when he came here, did not. We can lock in because you don't you don't have anything, right? With the maple syrups. Yeah, we're, we're having a rough time over here, but we're going to lock in. Uh, Neil and I are just guessing it's the Argonauts. Uh, I said we're having a rough time because we're going with the Rough Riders of Saskatchewan and I believe another province, but I can't remember, but we're saying the Rough Riders. Uh, yeah, Matt got it. Uh, it's the Rough Riders. <laughs> that makes way too much sense, Neil. I think they uh, had an anthem by DMX. <laughs> R.I.P. I'm sure they did. Um, yeah, except uh, the Ottawa Rough Riders were two words and the Saskatchewan Rough Riders is one word. <laughs> After five questions in the second round, it looks like Team uh, Mighty Flighty Ketones picked up uh, ten points. So they were they're not doing too well in the first four questions, but they're they're back in it. So they have one hundred and twenty-five points, and Spider-Man's tires have one hundred and fifty-five points. All right. Um, so number sixteen is a music question. Put the following Italian tempo indicators in order from slowest to fastest. On Dante. Allegretto, Lento, Adagio. We are locked in over here. All right. Well, some of those uh, words made no sense to me, so I just said, Jane, take it away. So we knew that Lento was slow, and I think based on that, we're going to put Adagio below Lento. So Adagio, Lento, we were very close to that. Um, we weren't too sure. We've heard them all before, and we kind of had an inkling of what they meant. But we went Lento, Adagio, Andante, Allegretto. Okay, so uh, Spider-Man's tires actually got this one. Um, mm. You guys were really close, uh, but yeah, you put Adagio. Lento is the slowest, not Adagio. Mm. Uh -huh. Lento is about 40 to 45 beats per minute or slowly. Um, Adagio is about 55 to 65 beats per minute, uh, or slow and stately. Um, Andante means at a walking pace, uh, which is 73 to 77 beats per minute. And then Allegretto is moderately fast. So 98 to 109 beats per minute. Band came in, ha uh, in handy, Jeff. All right. Um, number 17, it's another music question. I'm just breaking the rules. Two music questions back to back. Um, what? Okay. <laughs> um, Name the 1999 song whose lyrics, according to at least one band member, don't really make sense. Here is a quote from Ben Westhoff of LA Weekly with regards to one section of the lyrics. None of the sentiments here seem to go with any of the other ones. Even worse, no further explanation is given for what that is. So without specifics, I can only guess what you mean, and it seems fair for me to assume you simply don't like it when I express preferences. Jeff and I are locked in with a kind of not great answer, but we're going to go with it. Great. Um, so we're just we're just reminiscing on the wonderful tunes of 1999, uh, uh, having a whiskey drink and a lager drink over here. We did throw around tub thumping. We're not sure. Um, any other ideas? No. <laughs> I, you have to understand that the music that I listened to during this time period was probably much different than the music a, a lot of other people listen to during this I had period. I had a Los Lonely Boys album, if that's what we're getting at. I was I was a big fan of them. Um, but I, I don't think we have anything uh, better. And when they say there's no explanation for what that is, I don't know what tub thumping is. So we're gonna we're gonna say tub thumping. Yeah, I think Jeff just figured it out uh, while we were already locked in. Uh, we locked in with. Uh, Blue by Eiffel 65, or what did I call them? Eiffel 99? Yeah, Eiffel 99. Um, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, we locked in with blue, which I don't think is the correct answer. But Okay, uh, one way to express a preference is to say, I want it that way. Mm, um, yeah. I want it that way by the Backstreet Boys. Um, yeah, I read an article that, um, yeah, because I, I was like, wait, what, what are they, like, what is this song actually about? What are they trying to say? Like, because it's kind of all over the place. And I guess it was written by Max Martin, who is a Swedish producer, and he's behind a lot of hits in the 90s. 
Uh, and his English just wasn't that good uh, back then, according to Kevin Richardson. Anyway, mm. so that's why it just doesn't. And same with uh, "Hit Me, Baby, One More Time." He wrote that song too. He's the inspiration for a character on Girls Five Other. Oh, the, the Swedish that. producer who is, does not write good songs. If you ever look him up, though, he is massively successful. Any song that you enjoyed that was very popular was probably written by Max Martin. Okay. Um, number 18 is a geography slash history question. Frisia is a cultural region which borders the North Sea and spans across the northern coasts of two modern-day European countries. West Frisian is a distinct language still spoken by many today in one of these countries. Name both of the modern-day countries that Frisia is located in. Uh, we can lock in. Jane, you had an idea. You think one of these might be the Netherlands? Yes. That is what I texted you. I think one of them is the Netherlands, um, just because I, I think that flowers, they're, they're very well-known for flowers. Oh, that makes sense. Um, and then I'm trying to think of, if so we're supposed to name both what's on either side of the Netherlands. Yeah. Belgium. Denmark. Oh, Belgium. I like Belgium. Um, and we too said the Netherlands. Um, I know it was a Germanic language or something like that. So we guessed Germany. Okay. Uh, yeah, it is the Netherlands and Germany. Um, so I don't know uh, how you guys, I was thinking of giving five points for like one. Yeah. Country. Get five points um, for that. That sounds great. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, this is uh, my parents are from uh, free, like uh, Friesland in the Netherlands, so they're from the Netherlands side of it. Um, but I don't think they're from the same region as Dutch Boy because weirdly their accent sounds nothing like that. Um, but <laughs> I think it's because his primary school was taught by a very strict German language teacher. Uh, is my guess. That's yeah. what that's what he, I, I've read. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, number 19, um, the category is Simpsons. Over the course of the show's long run, some fictional events depicted on The Simpsons have occurred years later in real life. Most famously, the show appeared to predict Donald Trump's presidency in the episode Bart to the Future. In a 1993 episode titled Springfield or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love Legalized Gambling, what happened to a pair of entertainers that would happen 10 years later to one of the real-life entertainers parodied in that episode? Yeah, I know, mm. Neil. Ah. Man, I also liked The Simpsons. I, I think I actually know this one. and you, Jeff already has the lock and answer, but I don't watch The Simpsons. But I think, is it um, Siegfried and Roy, like the tiger bite? Yes, when the tiger attacked him. Yes. Uh, yeah, Siegfried and Roy, their tiger attacked him. Uh, yeah, that's exactly what it is. The, the uh, Roy Horn tiger attack is what happened in 2003. Okay, and we're on the last question already. Uh, so number t- uh, number 10, Mu- it's a music question. Known as the Lord of Loud, this music technology pioneer developed an iconic piece of equipment which displays his name and, especially when stacked on top of each other, are seen as the physical embodiment of rock's power, majesty, and excess, according to Wikipedia. Rock was already loud, but he made it one louder. What is his name? We are going to lock in. I once wrote a question about this thing um, known as the Wall of Sound, uh, and I learned that I believe Phil Spector was the one who kind of was the originator of that, so he said Phil Spector. All right. That is a great guess. Um, I know that with the Beatles, I believe he called it a wall of sound. I thought that um, uh, she was referring to an amp, uh, meaning you stack amps on top of each other to have rock and roll sound louder. So the only amp company we could think of that had a name was Marshall. That's what we locked in with. Yeah, actually, Marshall is correct. Um, I also have never seen Spinal Tap, but I was uh, aware of that reference. And it's a Marshall amp that he had all the knobs turned to 11. Well, there you go. After regulation, it looks like Team the Mighty Flighty Ketones have 140 points, and Spider-Man's Tires have 195 points. So let's hear those final round categories, and we'll give our wagers. All right. So um, I alluded to the Backstreet Boys earlier. Um, I don't know. I, I know um, Neil is an NSYNC guy, so I don't know if um, him and I are supposed to like have a fight or something, because I was always a... BSB girl. 
Um, so category one is I want it that way. Uh, category two, quit playing games. Category three, I'll never break your heart. Category four, get down. And category five, larger than life. Um, okay, all of the wagers are locked in. And before we get to the questions, just want to thank all of our wonderful patrons for supporting our show that uh, helps us continue to grow. Melina is a patron, and so is Jane, and we thank them very much for their support. If you'd like to join them, you can go to patreon.com slash trivialitypodcast, where you get a bunch of brand new audio content each month, along with a backlog of over 30 hours of audio content, as well as stickers, posters, and curated boxes. So if you'd like to join them, but also help our show and uh, help us continue to make it better, you can go to patreon.com slash trivialitypodcast. Melina, what are those final round questions? All right. So... For number one, I want it that way. If I told you to bake some shoe pastry into a ball shape, cut it in half, fill it with Chantilly cream, then reassemble and optionally garnish with chocolate sauce or powdered sugar, what would you have made? It's not as rich as it sounds. Number two, quit playing games. Add a letter to the name of the starting town in Final Fantasy VII to complete the name of this Viking-themed board game, Champions of Blank. Number three, I'll never break your heart. In this minimally invasive procedure, a balloon is inserted into a narrowed blood vessel through the skin using a guide wire. It is inflated to expand the vessel. A stent may be inserted to keep the vessel open. What is this procedure? You can't say they've never tried it. Number four, get down. If you felt like getting down on the dance floor in 18th century Europe, the odds are good you'd be doing a minuet. What is the standard time signature for a minuet? And number five, larger than life. There is a long tradition of towns across North America erecting large monuments in order to make the claim of having the world's largest random object. For example, the town of Mundare, Alberta, is home to the 42-foot-tall world's largest Cubasa sausage. Sudbury, Ontario, a major mining center, is home to a large disc-shaped monument called the Big This Element. What is the actual name of this monument? Remind me to show you a photograph of it. Okay, we will take a look at these and be right back. I'm Jane Perlez, longtime foreign correspondent and former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. I've been a foreign correspondent in lots of places, Somalia, Indonesia, Pakistan, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I mean, China is not dropping anti-democratic paratroopers into Montana. But of course, we did see things like the weather balloon slash spy balloon riveting the whole country for a week. This is Face Off, an eight-part series in which we'll take you behind the scenes to key moments in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. We'll speak with a diplomat, a spy, a tech reporter, a U.S. admiral, even Yo-Yo Ma. Plus, my pal and noted China historian Rana Mitter joins the conversation. We'll look at what's driving the two nations apart and explore whether anything can help bring them back together. Face-Off launches April 9th. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances— I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. All the answers are now locked in, so feel free to give us those questions. We'll give our answers. So number one, I want it that way. If I told you to bake some shoe pastry into a ball shape, cut it in half, fill it with Chantilly cream, then reassemble and optionally garnish with chocolate sauce or powdered sugar, what would you have made? It is not as rich as it sounds. 
we wager 30 points. Uh, Jeff and I both love Great British Baking Show. Yeah, for uh, some reason I was thinking this was a croak and boosh, but I think Neil's onto something here. Yeah, we know that at some point they've made a uh, profiterol, which uh, has the word profit in the name. So that's what we locked in with. Uh, We wagered 30, and Janie, I think you had this one. Yes, this is a profiterol. They make these (laughs) from time to time. I dabble. I'm I'm impressed because I've never tried baking those yet. Um, Yeah, good job, Neil, for catching on to the clue there. Uh, The answer is profiterol. All right. Uh, Number two, quit playing games. Um, Add a letter to the name of the starting town in Final Fantasy VII to complete the name of this Viking-themed board game, Champions of Blank. Uh, We wagered 30 points on this one, and I'm taking a guess here. Um, Ken and I did try to start playing Final Fantasy VII like a decade ago because I'd never played it as a kid. Um, So I don't think I ever made it out of Midgar. And uh, so I think the game... Based on the recent uh, Assassin's Creed that I saw Angie playing, uh, it would make sense for Vikings would be Midgard. So we're guessing it's Midgard. Mm. Yeah, during the uh, the lockdown, I spent a lot of time in Midgard. I played the original, I played the remake. Uh, we wagered 30 and definitely Midgard. Yep, it is Champions of Midgard. Angie plays Assassin's Creed? Yeah. Yeah, tell her to hit me up. For real. (laughs) (laughs) I effing love Assassin's Creed. It's my favorite series. All right. Number three, I'll never break your heart. In this minimally invasive procedure, a balloon is inserted into a narrowed blood vessel through the skin using a guide wire. It is inflated to expand the vessel. A stent may be inserted to keep the vessel open. What is this procedure? You can't say they've never tried it. Yeah, we wagered 30 again on this. Uh, we didn't know for sure. Jeff said angioplasty, and I know angio, like angiogram, has to do with the heart. So uh, I believe the plasty portion of that, it, this could be completely wrong, has to do with maybe like opening it up with a balloon. I, I don't know. Anyway, we went angioplasty. Mm-hmm. Uh, we wagered 30, and I was thinking a little plasty too. Um, but we went with the cardio version and cardioplasty. Yeah, for okay, uh, B. So, uh, yes, the answer is angioplasty. Um, so I was trying to allude to the song Angie by the Rolling Stones. Oh, um, I got it. That makes sense. That song's banned in our house. <laughs> Can't imagine why. <laughs> um, number four, get down. If you felt like getting down on the dance floor in 18th century Europe, the odds are good you'd be doing a minuet. What is the standard time signature for a minuet? We wagered 30, and we think a minuet is like similar to a waltz. So we said three-quarter time, three-four. Uh, we wagered 25, and I was thinking of Christmas songs and three-quarters time, and we just said three-quarters, three-fourths. Um, yeah, it is three-four time. And number five, larger than life. There is a long tradition of towns across North America erecting large monuments in order to make the claim of having the world's largest random object. For example, the town of Mundare, Alberta, is home to the 42-foot-tall, world's largest Kubasa sausage. Sudbury, Ontario, a major mining center, is home to a large disc-shaped monument called the Big This Element. What is the actual name of this monument? Remind me to show you a photograph of it. Um, anytime I look at a photograph, it makes me laugh. I'm sorry. Should I be, should I look at, look at this photograph? No, you shouldn't. Thank you. That was terrible yeah. on purpose. And I loved it. Every second of it. Uh, mm-hmm. so we think it's nickel. Mm-hmm. King of Canadian rock, uh, Nickelback. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, we, we're pretty sure this is nickel as well. Yeah, you're both right. It is the big nickel. Um, and I was surprised because not a one person in playtesting and all the many people who playtested this picked up on the Nickelback clues. There's actually two Nickelback songs referenced in there. Um, and fun fact, they are from a town called Hannah, Alberta, which is about two hours from where I live. Um, so you're all welcome for that gift to the world. <laughs> Well, thank you. Uh, those were... Provinces that give you, um, you know, like Banff also have to give you a nickel back. Like, mm-hmm. this is just the laws of nature. It has to give a good thing and a, and a terrible thing. 
Well, I've done the math probably poorly, but I'm pretty sure it is correct. And after the final round and the end of the game, team the Mighty Flighty Ketones are ending with 125 and today's cream of the crop with 345 points, Spider-Man's tires. I am the cream of the crop and don't forget it, Dutch boy. So That was a dominant final round from you guys. It was. Uh, a lot of this game had a good uh, cross-section of both of our interests, and uh, it was a really, really well-written game, Melina. Um, it was great questions, great mix of pop culture and history and science and all that, and uh, just really, really fun. So, Melina, you, you mentioned that you had a lot of playtesters check this game out. Uh, anyone you want to give a shout-out to, and also um, anything else that you'd like to say, shout-outs, things like that, the floor is yours. Yeah, sure. Um, so yeah, I don't want to name everybody because it was literally, I think about 18 people from the crop. Um, so I'm not going to list all of their names. Um, but, uh, Louis de Rojas, uh, probably spent the most time, uh, helping me and, and giving me feedback. So thank you very much. Um, also John Valenzuela. Um, and then I got the question from, uh, Bettina Michelle. Um, my first draft of the questions was just awful compared to uh, what came out after I got everybody's feedback. So that was really awesome. Um, and then also um, my boyfriend, Evan, he helped me with some of these questions. Um, he's a huge guitar guy. So he gave me the idea for the Marshall question. Um, so, and he obviously just makes my life better every day as well. So thank you to him for that. And um, also shout out to our dog, Juno, that we just got recently. Uh. She's very cute and a very good girl. So I think that's about <laughs> it for shout outs. Well, yes. Thank you very much to everyone who play tested. Uh, if you are writing an upcoming game or you want to write an upcoming game, you can either reach out on the Discord or the Crop, and uh, many, many uh, people will uh, raise their hand to help you play test your questions. And uh, yes, shout out to Juno, Evan, uh, and uh, tell them thank you from all of us for providing us with uh, some great Canada Dutch questions. Uh, Jane, uh, thank you very much for joining us as always. Uh, any, any last, uh, thank yous or shout outs you'd like to give? Yeah, during, during quarantine, we've been playing a lot of trivia and one of my new favorite games is from Brittany Shaw. She puts on a quiz called Ginny's Cozy Quiz. You can find her on Twitch. And if you float around the Triviality page, I'm sure you can find the information there as well. She recently hosted a game, a very fun game. We had a good time. Awesome. Yeah. And make sure to check out uh, Brittany Shaw and her channel. And yeah, thank you, Jane, for joining us as always. And Melina, thank you so much again for taking all the time to write all these wonderful questions and providing us with a great game. Uh, Ken, good luck on your acting opportunity. And uh, yes, once again, thank you to Melina, Jane, Matt, Jeff, Ken, who isn't here. Uh, my name is Neil, and that was Triviality. Well, uh, Spider-Man, uh, I'm sure will live another day. Uh, and, and our guests, uh, uh, oh my, I almost had it. Sorry. <laughs> oh, no, you didn't. Sorry, it's been a long day. You didn't know where that was going. You I, were I like, knew where uh, I wanted to go, and then I, I, I screwed myself anymore. up. Uh, okay.